going to go back in the back with Lisa. Lisa, thank you for everything. Isn't it great? There's a, there's a, there's a, a flock of kids today. Uh, a covey. Gosh, look at that. I'm glad I'm not back there. But what a great ministry has started. We just thank God. If you have any interest in going back there and helping those little kids, be sure and let Kim know, okay? Praise God. Well, as we start out our time thinking about what God's Word says to us, um, all that I'm going to say to you today happened because of Psalm 95. I had one thing I was going to talk about and share what God had put on my heart a couple weeks back. But we studied Psalm 95 on Friday, and it touched my heart so much that I, I couldn't get away from it and decided that um, we need to talk about worship today. And um, as we talk about worship, the first thing I need to do is, is um, apologize to you. Um, we should always be in that apology mode. I'm in apology mode because, you know, there's... there's um, there's three things, really, that I'm, I'm not responsible to you for, but I think I'm responsible to God's calling upon my heart. And any pastor um, would tell you these three. There's lots of things we're, we're called to do. But there's three, I think, main focus things that we're to do that we're responsible for. Nobody's responsible for it except me. And the three things go in these, in these um, hierarchy like this. It's teaching God's word and preaching it. Preaching God's word and teaching it today is a chore, isn't it? You guys all with me? If you're not, you should come over here and stand. I'm telling you, it's a chore, friends, um, because everybody wants something different. They just want something that tickles our ears. We don't want anything that's going to challenge our hearts. Amen? And, um, and we need to grab a hold of that. By the way, I just saw Roy sitting right there. Um, the men's um, coordinated retreat is next weekend. We should get involved in that, friends. We'll talk to Rory about that. Um, so uh, my main goal is to preach and teach God's Word. That's what you've hired me for here. The second thing that I'm, uh, I'm responsible to God for is, is um, uh, Holy Communion and, um, and making sure that that's done in, in a right and proper way. And if you haven't noticed it, I've never done Holy Communion here with the same words. It's always different wording, if you ever pay attention to that. Because every time we take it, it's a different time of our lives, isn't it? The third thing I'm responsible for to God, to, to be accountable for, he's going to ask, not, not you, he's going to ask me, how did you do in worship? third thing I'm accountable for, friends, in, in my eyes, to God, our, our Savior, is preaching his word, teaching his word, doing holy sacraments, and, and taking care of worship. And I think worship is where I need to apologize to you for, because, um, um, well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. Probably 20 or 30 years ago, a guy walked up to my daughter after church and she said to him, she, to her, she said, he said to her, 
do you think your dad is ever going to be, with hap- be happy with worship? And she didn't even think about it. She said, no, he'll never be happy because he always thinks we can do it better. And that's what I need to apologize to you for. I, I try so many different things, try, just like that song this morning. You know, once you get used to singing songs like that, I'd hope we'd blow the roof off of this place. But it takes time because it's just something different. It's change. I, I, I think one of the things that I need to apologize to you for in that type of worship that we have, that I haven't explained well enough that we are not to sit here and be entertained. Did you know that? We're, we're, not, the, we're not the audience. As a matter of fact, we've got it completely backwards. God is the audience. We have come here to worship him and to praise him with everything that we have, our heart, our soul, our mind, all of our strength. We're to lift up and say, hey, Lord, thank you. In most churches today, I, I want to I say it gracefully, not being judgmental or anything, but in most churches today, some people come to church, most people come to church and say, God should be blessed because I showed up. You know, it's a chore. I am truly never satisfied with worship, especially the worship that I'm doing, that God has put me in control of. I'm concerned about the fact that, that we're here to, to glorify God, and for some reason we let things intervene. We let, we let that whole issue of, of all the songs, the issue of time, the issue of, of prayer, everything gets... I've said this to you time and time again, but let me say this to you. Every time we say we can do this better, we can do this better than what we do in in our hearts individually when you come in here and sit down, and corporately as we sit here as a body of believers, we can do this better. Every time we say that, Satan says no. Satan says, no, you can't do it better, and I'm going to make sure you don't do it better. And he'll throw... Something in there to distract you from worshiping God. Um, who knows what it is? You know, if you're, if you're a mother and you got a, a child to bring, this, bring to church, by the time you get here, you're frazzled, you know? <laughs> and most people walk in and say, oh, no, the heat's too hot or the heat's too cold or the, uh, the furnace isn't working, surely there's too much noise. Oh, no, not another new song, you know? <laughs> Whatever it is, Satan will use to make sure... And, and the reason I know that, that people can walk into a sanctuary and, and worship God, and uh, those, they can be sitting right beside of each other, and, and both of them will walk out and one say, that was the best thing I've ever seen for a long time. And the other one will say, what the heck are you talking about? That was boring as get out. You know? I have this in-depth in, in problem in my life. And Phyllis Ann has got to see it a lot more than you have. But I can walk into any place where Jesus is being proclaimed and worship him. Did you hear that? I don't care what it says on the front door. I went to a Catholic church one time, and, and, um, and um, when I left, when we left, and we, we were living in Canton, we drove to, to um, Youngstown, Ohio, to go to this Catholic church with some friends of ours that were having wanted us to be there with them. 
And I said to Phyllis Ann on the way home, if I die this week, have that priest do my sermon. Because we went there and to do nothing more than worship God, but to support our friend. I have that problem that wherever I go, I can go to, to um, um, Laporte United Methodist Church and, and worship God. I can go to Grafton and worship God. I can go to Belden and worship God. I can go to the Baptist Church up on 301 and worship God. Amen? I can go to the Presbyterian Church and worship God, as long as he's being proclaimed. Because I go there not to be entertained, but to give God all my heart and my soul. So I was reading 95, and as I read 95, my heart went to Revelation. Let's read that scripture together, Joe. I'll read this scripture with you. And um, let's see what the Revelation chapter 5 has to say to us this morning about worship. All right? And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which was nothing more than the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open up its seals, for you were slain. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. And there, and have made us uh, kings and priests. Boy, isn't that great? He's made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And uh, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In other words, it's a huge sanctuary. And saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches. He's, He's worthy to receive powers and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which was in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard them saying, blessings and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. My friends, this is the word of God for all of his people. Thanks be to God. Now, we could spend the the rest of my time with you on this verse, on these these verses in Revelation. We could spend the, the rest of this year on these verses. That's how powerful that's in there. You know, and we could study who are the 24 hours, who are the 12, uh, you know, who are all these people that are there and the, and the four elders. What are all these people doing there? But I want to focus in on, on what, what I think, uh, not who they are and what they were, what they were about, but um, what this whole verse talks about. And it's talking about worshiping, worshiping God, who is much more worship than we can ever imagine, okay? So let me give you three thoughts. And, um, and um, honestly, I, try to stay focused and see if you can hear something God says to us about changing our heart for worship, okay? The first thing that you see here in the scripture 
is that uh, there's a need for worship. You know, there's a need that we need to worship. And in case you don't know it, it's a universal thing. Everything, um, alive, alive uh, as human beings and, and all of creation, it's designed to worship God. We need to worship. And since Psalm 19, I know you know this uh, verse, of, uh, at least you, I hope you've heard it. The heavens, the heavens are telling of the glory of God. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Their voice goes forth to the very ends of the earth, to the very ends of the earth. I don't know about you, but uh, are, you, are your flowers popping up? Ours are, ours are that big already. They, is it time? They're all on schedule, I guess. They have to be because they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. You know, they're going to bloom. They're going to bloom. Some of these are going to bloom for a couple of days and that's it. But you know, they did exactly what they were created for. They were created to give us that beauty for that momentary second. And then Philistine goes out and snaps them right off. You know, because you got to do that, don't you? You got to cut those things back and everything. And she does that every year. It has me cutting the roses back. I'm telling you, I have to listen very closely because you've got to do it at the right spot. But it's all because they're designed to give glory to God for who he is, the creator. We, we uh, are just like that beautiful earth that's going to turn green here pretty quick. And uh, even, even when the snow fell that one day when we had all that snow, I walked out and I thought, oh, that's pretty. The snow did exactly what it was supposed to do, bring glory to God. And I wonder, I wonder how when people look at us, do they see us and say, oh, oh, that's a good representation of who God is? Or do they look at us and see an old wilted weed trying to hang on? You know, and we're, we're designed just like the, the things of this world to give God the glory, and yet we don't do it. Everything, I need to share with this, share with you, if you don't hear anything, everything must worship God. And that means us too. And I want to tell you, this is where I have the problem. Because we don't have a problem worshiping. We do here. But we don't have a problem outside of these doors. And just, just in point, What's going on? If you don't know this is going on, there's something wrong with your TV. What's going on right now? March Madness? Come on. I said to Phil Sand, there's eight games on last. I said, there's eight games on. You want to watch one of them? No. I said, come on. People are, people are, I, can you imagine in the state of Ohio this year, the first time you can bet on March Madness? I mean, somebody's making billions. Amen? I don't know why we're not getting, no. When I go to third world countries, one of the things they, they saw that we worshipped was our houses. Our houses, we worship them, don't we? Our cars, our cars. <laughs> uh, somebody always asked me that, and when I go to trade my car in, they always say, what do you want to trade it in for? It doesn't have very many miles on it. It's, not, it's good. I said, I don't care about that car. They said, what do you mean you don't care about that car? I said, I want to put it in D and go. 
And this one guy was telling me, I've had my first car since forever. When I bought my first car, I still have it. I said, well, it's good for you. I don't want a car that long. As soon as it doesn't smell good, I said, that first oil change, let's get a new car. <laughs> okay, the second one. You know what I mean? Some people just worship their cars. Um, we do that with celebrities. We worship them. No way, come on. We bow down to beautiful bodies, incredible basketball teams. There's a team got beat this week that shouldn't have got beat, that messed up all the things. Arizona? Purdue? Purdue? Okay. Huh? Boy, that took care of my bets. That's what they said about the lottery. They said, you playing the lottery? I said, yeah, I play it every day. And they said, have you won? I said, no. And they said, what tickets are you buying? I said, you got to buy a ticket? <laughs> no, I'm not playing then if you got to buy a ticket. Yeah, we bow down to beautiful, beautiful things and incredible basketball teams, football teams, baseball teams. We bow down to all these celebrities that we want to and, and um, music music and art. Jerry was telling me, Jerry, where did you go to see a, a great group uh, the other night? Mercy Me. They went up to Cleveland State and watched that yes, last week sometime. That was good, huh? A lot of people there. Yeah, I love it. When I'm talking about we must have worship, we must have something that's bigger than we are. I think that's what this this uh, Revelation verse is talking about. It's more powerful than we can ever, ever imagine. Um, it's something that's bigger, better, and, and greater than we can ever imagine. And, and we need to understand that all of us, every one of us, need to worship. We need, to, we need it in our lives to become what God wants us to be. And secondly, if we're looking at it real close, there's the, if you follow this scripture real close and digest it, You'll see in there, there's a way for worship. Everybody okay, Pat? Yeah. Worry about that. If you look at this text, if you look at this text real close, you have music, you have praise, you have confession. John says, oh gosh, we're all sinners. Who's going to be able to open that, those scrolls? Nobody. We have thanksgiving because we see somebody that can do it, the Lamb of God. Um, nothing more than prayers. And if you look at it real close, there's even some responsive reading, especially if you start back in chapter 4. Everything that we do is right there. So what we're doing here every, every Sunday morning that we get together in all these vast churches around the world that are celebrating Jesus Christ, we are getting in practice for what's going to happen when we get there eternally. Amen? So if you don't like it here, oh boy, if you don't like it here, you have to say to God, okay, who's, who's in charge of leading this worship service? We need something different. I can see God looking at us and say, okay, all right, I'll work on it. Mm. This is where we get that whole thing of worship being much more than we understand. It's, um, the word worship is an English word that we get that means worthy, worth-ship. It's worth something that we honor, that we praise. And we see it here in this, in this um, scripture, especially in, in verse 5, but all of Revelation. Worthy are thou because you, you created. Um, worthy um, uh, are you because you're the beginning. 
who, who opened and were able to open the scroll, scroll, and then worthy are you because you died for us. All that talks about how much Christ is worth to us. Worship is something that we do because we count it as worth-ship. If you, if you would ever just, let me, let me, let me take you to, on a little, little journey here in Matthew. If you would, if you would go to Matthew and um, digest it a little bit, start, start in chapter 13. Start in chapter 13 and you hear Jesus telling all these great parables. Telling all these tremendous parables about the tares and the wheat. You know, about the soil, the good soil and the bad soil. He tells all these stories, and he continues to tell them. But at verse 44, he pops in one little thing. He pops in this little thing, and, and it's amazing that we, we pass by it. But it talks about the worth of what he's talking about. It's, it goes like this in verse 44 of uh, Matthew 13. The king, he's just did some big teaching. He's going to do some big teaching after this verse. But here he pops us in. He says, the kingdom of God is like a field. When a man found it hidden, when a man found hidden treasures in the field, with joy, he went out and sold everything he had and bought that field. And then he goes on with another um, uh, parable. But he says something there very powerful. He says, what I'm saying to you is something that is of worth. I'm telling you truth here today. Jesus is saying, I'm telling you truth, and it's valuable. It's more valuable than anything you can have in this world. That's what brings the worship to us today. Now, think about this man. Think about this man. Oh, oh I, I got a better story for you. It just popped into my <laughs> Forget that guy. Uh, no, no, don't forget him. It's a great story. Uh, down in the, in the VAR, we're 62 and... And um, 30, old 30 meet. There's a big intersection. And, and um, there's um, a whole bunch of stuff there now. When I was there 40, year ago, 40 years ago, there was nothing. And then as you go into the VAR, there's this 100 acres that goes along 62. And there's two houses on it. And there's sisters. And at that time when I was there, they were in their hundreds. You know, they were, they were probably 70, I don't know, somewhere around. They were old, you know. And that's not old anymore. They, they, they had this 100 acres. And in their mind, that 100 acres was much more than, than 5,000 an acre. That's what they were offered. Okay? In their mind, they had 100 acres. They wanted 2 million, a million apiece. When I left, when I left, they hadn't sold it, and they were never going to sell it. Okay? But then, but then all this stuff started popping up around them. Started popping up around them, okay? Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? All this stuff, and it changed everything. And, and uh, somebody offered him 3,000, 3 million, I mean, for the, for the 100 acres. 3 million. They wanted two. He said, I'll write you a check for 3 million right now. So you know what they did? Give me the money, man. Give me the money. Where's the money at? And they sold that property for $3 million. The guy that bought it has made that over five and six times more. He's put 16 lots on it and sold each one of them for way more than they're worth. But now there's something, some business on all of those. That's what this guy did. This guy did, you know, somebody said, okay, I'm going to buy that land. I'm going to sell everything I have. I'm going to get that land from those two old women, and I'm going to do something with it. This guy did the same thing. Jesus said, 
Jesus said, this guy lived beside this field all of his life. Think about it. He lived beside this field. It was wasted field. There was nothing in it, nothing going to happen. His wife kept saying, you better buy that field. Buy it for $5,000. Buy it because if you don't, somebody's going to buy it and they're going to put a house there. And that's the last thing you want is another stinking house right beside of you. Right? You all with me? Years and years went by. Years and years went by, and he saw it as nothing as wasted property, nothing that he was going to do with it. And then one night, if you listen to the story real close, one night he got up and thought, I'll just go over and dig around and see what I can find. And he found treasure. He found treasure. So much treasure that it was much more than he could even fathom. And he didn't know what to do. He couldn't take it because if he took it home and then had all this wealth, everybody would be saying, oh, you stole it. So he went to his wife and he said, guess what? She, she said, what? What, you big numbskull? <laughs> she says, he says, we're going to buy that field. And she looks at him like, I told you that for the past 30 years, you should buy that field. He said, no, we're selling everything and we're buying that field. We're selling everything that we have and we're buying that field. And she couldn't get over it and said, okay, okay, whatever you think. And he bought the field, dug up its treasures and had more than he ever thought about having Jesus popped that verse right in the middle of a major teaching to tell us that he is worth more than anything you have. You should sell everything you have. Get rid of all the things that are keeping you from worshiping him because you're going to get a whole lot more. You're going to get a whole lot more because of what he's done than what anything in this world has done. Amen? Are you with me? We, we must have worship and we must find a way to make him that way in our lives that he is worth no matter what for us to worship God. He is worth it beyond everything. Beyond everything. Now I say that. I say that and I know at the same time that there are other things that we put value on. And um, part of that is with our young people today. And the battle they have to fight to to um, indeed come to church or be in the sports or be in their, their groups, whatever it is. I understand that that's difficult. I was serving a church one time. And every year in June and July, the band director, the guy that was in charge of the, the band, would send me um, a three-page paper of their fall schedule. And he would highlight the things that he knew I would be causing trouble with and say, don't mess this up. Because he was a Christian and knew all the holidays and knew everything. And um, one of the things that this band did, they went to Disneyland every spring on spring break. 200-member band. They went down there every year. It was their policy. They raised money all through the school year to get their kids to go on this trip. And the only way you could go on that trip was to be involved in the band and make sure it was number one in your life. And I had this senior who was a number one violin. She sat in the number one violin chair. I, I think it was important. Okay? I think it was important. She had played violin all of her time in school. And, and um, um, it was not the marching band. It was the ensemble band that went to, to, with them. To, the whole band went. They had all this stuff that they had to do, and I was made sure not to put any scheduling in 
above their scheduling. And then by mistake, no. By chance, no. We scheduled a retreat in Pennsylvania, down the Ohio Powell River. Have you ever went over there and done that trip? Yeah. Have you? Oh, boy, it's a lot of fun. Take 72 kids with you one time. Yeah. You'll say, oh, okay, Lord, I'm not doing that again. I took a, we set up this trip, and to, to go on the trip was the same way with the band. You had to be in the youth group. You had to be involved. You had to, you had to um, hold your own. You had to come not all Sundays but you, and all the time, things that we did, but you had to come to a lot of them. And this one girl, senior, number one violin player in the band, came to me and said, I have a real problem. And I said, what's that? And I said, she said, um, I really don't care about playing in the band as much as I want to go on this trip, um, the spiritual retreat that we were heading, which got to go down the Ohio Power River. And I said, honey, you only have to make one decision, and that's whatever your heart tells you. If you want to play in that band, you go ahead and do it. You can go on a trip another time, just as you can play in a band another time. Amen? Unbeknownst to me, she had already talked to her parents about it, and her parents said the same thing to her. She, they said, whatever you decide that you want to do, it's perfect. So I got a letter from the band director about how upset he was <laughs> that his number one violin player wasn't going to be on their trip, and he had all this music played out, you know, and everything for her. I said, it's not my decision. I, we talked on the phone. He, he was upset. I said, it's not my decision. It's hers. We left it in hers. He said, I did the same thing, but he said, I thought she'd be smart enough to choose me. But you see, she saw so much more worth in going on this trip because she'd been on many trips with us and knew how God was going to bless this time. It's a whole different scenario. We, we need to worship God, and we need to do it the right way with our heart. With our heart and not our head. We need to surrender, all, both of them, to God and say, this is the way we're going to do it. And then lastly, real quick, let me, let me share with you the, not only the need for worship, but the way we should worship with our heart, make him worth, worth, worth ship uh, above everything. We also need to have our worship focused. And if you see this in this, in this chapter 5 of Revelation, you'll see that it's focused. It's focused on who can own, unlock the keys. Who is it that can open up the, the gates? Who is it that takes control of everything in our lives? And you have to move over from, John, from um, Revelation 5 to John 17. And the focus of worship we see is in John 17 that goes over into chapter 5 as a reality. Jesus in John 17 does the things that worship should do for us. Worship should, first of all, bring us together. Bring us together as one. We, and we are, are um, gosh, we are doing that so well right at this time in our life, aren't we? A lot of confusion, a lot of, a lot of not knowing, but we're trusting our, our um, leadership and, and hoping and praying that they're guiding us in the right way, which I believe they are. I believe they are, friends. And we're focused in trying to have that singular purpose in our life to reach out and be a church that represents who Christ is in our lives. To be that lighthouse here on this corner, 
And, and, and Jesus prays for that in John 17. He prays, for, Father, I'm praying not just for now, but I'm praying for the folks that are going to be in LaGrange United Methodist Church 2,000 years from now. I'm praying for them that they will be one in spirit, one in mind, one in their heart. And the second thing that our focus of worship should do is cause us to have that unity. Not just to seek to have it, not just to say, oh, yeah, we're one body, but to make certain that it's there. And, and, and I got to tell you, throughout the whole week is where that's seen. Where that is, that is prevalent everywhere is when we see people that we know and care, and people look at us and say, oh, you're going to LaGrange, huh? Praise God. And we should get excited and tell them what's going on. People are asking me all, I'm getting phone calls like you wouldn't believe. How's everything going? I got a phone call. Anybody know where Walt's United Methodist Church is? It's no, it's, you can't find it. It's not on the map. It's somewhere in Medina County. I've been to it three or four times. I couldn't take you there now if I had to. I think you got to go on Egypt Road. So watch for the pyramids. I'm not real sure, but they called me up and they said, we need your help. I said, I can't help you, but David can. You know why? Because we're all of one spirit, one mind, one heart. Our purpose, our purpose is to fulfill, I think, to fulfill the great commission. Go, go, Jesus said. Go and do everything you can for Lorraine County, for Lafayette Township, for Ohio, for the United States, for the world. Teach them everything that I've taught you. And he says to us in that great commission, don't worry about it, I'll go with you. That's our singular goal, I would hope. Our second, our second goal that we're focused in on is that we love the Lord our God. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our mind. Luke, Luke chapter 2, tells us that's what Jesus said. And then he made that last statement that is hard for us to do, but it's part of what we're about. And after you've loved the Lord with everything that you have, don't forget to love your neighbors as yourself. The great commandment, the great commission. We are uni- I would pray that we are unified in our, our ministry to do that very thing. That's what being in a lighthouse, that's what being a reflection of God is all talking about. That's what's being our statement of saying we want a little bit more of you, Jesus. Every time we come into the sanctuary, we should just give me a little bit more of you so that I can give a little bit more of you away. Praise God. Praise God. Revelation chapter 5. I would, I would uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5. I'll just start with chapter 1. <laughs> and don't read it. Don't read it. Please don't read it. But digest it and see if you don't see in there something of worth that causes us to worship God. Amen? My friends, uh, if you didn't hear it, if you didn't hear it, we need worship in our lives. If you didn't hear it, we need to keep working on the way we worship God and make it valuable and keep our focus on being his, his disciples. And when it's all said and done, I believe if we try to accomplish that, He will say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Let's pray together. God, as we uh, surrender ourselves to you this morning, 
I pray, I pray that we've learned a little bit more about what it means to worship you. And if nothing else, help us to understand that we're not to be entertained here today. But we are to come and entertain you. We are the actors in this play, Lord, not the audience. Help us to hear that and help us to be focused in our worship and always trying things different that will help us in our way of worshiping you and help us to do our best to understand that we worship whether we want to or not. We worship all these other things. Help us to put some worth in our worship of you this day. God, be with us. Be with our, our families and our children. Be with them, Lord. We pray in your son's name and for his glory today. And help us to understand we're talking about that, knowing Jesus. That's where we find the worship of his word, of his name, of his life for us. We pray this in your son's name today. And all of God's children said, amen. amen.